Welcome back to Sports Beat KC. I'm Chiefs Beat writer Brooke Pryor with a special episode. I am live in Cleveland. Uh, on the phone, though, I have uh, Cleveland Browns beat reporter Mary Kay Cabot for Cleveland.com. Mary Kay, how are you hanging in there after this week? Well, it has been such a crazy week. I mean, we didn't really know exactly what was going to go down when we left Pittsburgh last Sunday. And then we come to find out on Monday morning, of course, that not only was Hugh Jackson fired, but Todd Haley, the offensive coordinator as well. So lots of, of upheaval, lots of craziness. And then yesterday, uh, I don't know if you saw or not that I had an opportunity to actually sit down with Hugh Jackson. I got a call out of the blue, and uh, you know he asked me if I would... Uh, you know, wants to do this interview, and I so I went out to his house actually over on the east side of Cleveland and sat down with him and, and did an interview, uh, the first interview that he's done since he was fired, and uh, um, and that's on Cleveland.com right now. Yeah, I, I did see that, and I was thrilled to see that you had that interview before he was on first take this morning. Um, I'm always rooting for for the newspapers, so I was thrilled to see that. Um, what what was your biggest takeaway from that meeting? Well, I would have to say that my biggest takeaway was that he regrets not going out on his own terms, that he didn't call the plays, that, you know, his first two years here, he had Sashi Brown, who was an all-analytics guy, uh, that was picking the players. They had rookie quarterbacks. They passed on Carson Wentz, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. So nothing was happening in terms of player acquisition. And Jimmy and Dehazel, the Browns' owners, determined that he deserved a chance to come back and see what he could do with this football team when John Dorsey was here adding more talent to the team. So that's how the whole thing got set up. But he agreed to have an offensive coordinator, and he hired Todd Haley, who was, I think, first suggested to him by John Dorsey. But he was all about it. I mean, he absolutely was all in on hiring Todd Haley in the very beginning. But it didn't go well. Right from the start, we could see on Hard Knocks and in other ways that it just they, they just weren't combat- compatible. They just didn't really share some of the same philosophies, and they were clashing. And uh, I think that's the biggest takeaway that I got out of my interview with him, was that he really feels like if he was going to go down this year, he should have gone down calling his own plays, running his own offense, and showing what he could do with Baker Mayfield. Was that a realistic fix for him, though? What Would he actually have been able to take a bigger role in the team, the way he kept saying, you know, I should have been doing this, I should have been doing that? Was that something that was out there for the taking that, that he could have done to, to kind of right the ship all along? It would have taken some convincing. He really would have had to persuade Jimmy Haslam to let him take back the play calling, which would have included firing Todd Haley, which I think is what Hugh Jackson wanted to do on Monday morning. I think he wanted to go in and say, look, the offense is not performing. This is not what we anticipated, and I want to take it back, but... You know, if you take it back, then you're not going to be able to have Todd Haley on the staff anymore. So really, it would have—that's what it would have been. Uh, now, would he have been able to actually turn it around? That remains to be seen. He believes he could have. He never got that chance. I think there are some issues on this offense that I'm not sure anybody could fix right away without better personnel in some areas. That includes the receiving core. Now they should be getting Richard Higgins back this week, but now Antonio Callaway uh, missed practice today with an ankle injury. Then you've got a new left tackle in Desmond Harrison. Uh, there are some issues on the offense. The protection hasn't been good lately, and that's not a great matchup, obviously, with the Chiefs, who are, I believe, second in the NFL with their 24 sacks. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, you know, I don't know for sure that he would have been able to right the ship 
but once again, I think his, his feeling was, if I'm going to get fired, I want to get fired because I couldn't do the job, not because Todd Haley couldn't do the job. Mm-hmm. And I've seen comments that, you know, he said he, he wasn't able to get the players he needed to run the schemes he wanted to run. This year with Baker Mayfield, have they been running things that, that benefit Mayfield that, you know, we, we've seen the Chiefs kind of use a lot of things that, that Patrick Mahomes is familiar with at Texas Tech. Have the Browns done that? Are they maximizing Baker Mayfield's talent with the offense that they're running? You know, I don't really think that they have. I really think they should have done some of the similar things that Andy Reid has done with Pat Mahomes. And uh, and as Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator, now interim head coach, mentioned yesterday, that, that Andy had started with Alex Smith. So those are things that if you're going to bring in an air raid type quarterback, you really should showcase his skills, give him things to do that he can feel super comfortable with. So I don't really think that they did that, and I think that's one of the things that Hugh Jackson was hoping to do or planning to do, to dig in there with quarterback coach Ken Zantese and to figure out some of these concepts and incorporate some of them that would have made Baker Mayfield look and feel better. Well, how much will this team change now that Greg Williams is the head coach? I sat in there with you guys on on Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon, when he took the podium, and it was kind of a surreal moment a little bit. I don't know how it felt for everybody else in the room, but A, the fact that this guy is a head coach again, and B, I've never met anyone quite as self-confident as Greg Williams. Um, but what, what, how do you think this team is going to change with him as the guy in charge now? Well, as you can see, it's going to be entertaining on a daily <laughs> basis in terms of the press conferences, right? I mean, it's really going to be something else. There's no question about that and um, you know just in terms of the offense and defense are going to look like and how they're going to change I don't think they're going to be able to change too much right now I think uh, that they're going to have to go with continuity and just trying to do things a little bit better which is why they hired or they promoted Freddie Kitchens from running backs coach associate head coach to the um, offensive coordinator so he will be calling the place he's never done it before that should be very interesting. Uh, the only time he's ever done it was in a um, in a preseason game against Detroit, the final preseason game that Baker Mayfield started. So he does have that little bit of experience doing it. But I, I think they'll play with a lot of energy, both sides of the ball. I think they'll play with a lot of person. Uh, I think that Greg will try to make sure that they're that they're not uh, incurring as many penalties as they have over the last few weeks. That's been really bad. I'm sure they'll run the ball more uh, to take a little bit of pressure off the offense and the defense. Uh, but in terms of just changing everything up from a scheme standpoint, I just think it's a little too late for that. Well, you know, t- teams typically experience this bounce back effect when they get an interim head coach. It seems like they get this energy. It happened with the Chiefs a couple of years ago when Romeo Cornell was promoted and they will come out and, and the Chiefs ended the Packers undefeated season um, when that happened. Do the Browns have that kind of in them? It seems like the rules of football and the you know trend rules don't always apply to the Browns. Is is that something that we could see this weekend? What what's kind of your sense of that? Well, I'm not really feeling that because of all the upheaval and because of some of the other issues that we've seen. Uh, the defense, although it is amazing at getting takeaways, leading the NFL with 22 right now, they have some other issues. They give up a ton of yards. They have been somewhat vulnerable in the passing game. They've been very vulnerable, uh, getting gashed for 
46 yards in the run game by James Conner last week. So uh, right now, I'm not feeling that um, that the Browns' offense can keep pace with this high-powered Chiefs offense. They're 24th in points right now with about 21 per game. That's with getting all of those takeaways by the defense, which the offense has struggled to convert. So, um, you know, I suppose they could have some little burst of energy in life, but it would take everybody going out there and really overachieving. Right. And you mentioned a minute ago about the run game potentially being better or, or getting more involved in the offense. When uh, we talked with Duke Johnson earlier this week, he didn't say a whole lot, uh, but he seemed to be you know, unhappy with the lack of touches that he's had. Uh, only has 107 rushing yards this year, 203 receiving. Do you get a sense that he'll be more involved in this offense now that, that Freddie Kitchens is calling the plays? Well, you know, you would think so because obviously Freddie has spent every single day with Duke Johnson, knows what he can do, knows what he's capable of. And I think everyone on this football team recognizes right now that one of the most important things they can do is to keep Baker Mayfield upright and protect him more. That is so vitally important right now. They can't get their future franchise quarterback hurt just because he's getting sacked and hit so much. So I do think that there will probably be a little bit more of a renewed commitment to the run, which could mean more Duke Johnson. Well, and with Baker Mayfield and his, you know, the lack of protection, he's taken a lot of hits, sacked a bunch. Where do you get the senses his head is at right now? Not only, you know, is he being sacked on the field, he's going through this, this coaching change and he's been in situations his whole career where, you know, yeah, he's had to overcome a lot as a walk on and all of that, but he's been at really steady programs when, you know, when Bob Stoops, transitioned out to Lincoln Riley, it was in June. It was a pretty seamless transition. How's he handling all of this right now? Yeah, and as you mentioned, even when that happened, Lincoln Riley had been his offensive coordinator for a couple of years. So just from a from a standpoint of the relationship between those two and what they had already begun to develop and, and build between them, that was a seamless transition to him becoming the head coach. So this is vastly different from what he went through back then, and um, and I do think that it's kind of a jolt to him. It would have to be. I mean, he got pretty close to Todd Haley. I actually think that uh, you know that he was closer to Todd Haley than he was to Hugh Jackson. And if you know if he had to, uh, you know if he if he had to say you know which one or the other he felt most comfortable with, you know, in terms of him calling his plays and directing the offense, he would have probably said Todd Haley at that point. But he didn't work with Hugh Jackson hardly at all. Um, so I think this is rocking his world a little bit, but he's been through a lot. He's been through a ton of big games. You've seen him a lot. Uh, you know, he's been on the biggest national stages for various different things. He's been in front of the cameras. He's been in front of the microscope. So I think that he's mentally tough enough to handle this. Uh, what I don't know if he's tough enough to handle is the lack of protection and the lack of receivers that he has. Right. Well, and that with that lack of protection, one thing in Oklahoma, they had a really good offensive line all three years that he was there and he was playing. So he was kept pretty clean. How are you noticing any effects of him taking more sacks or, or getting hit more often in the NFL? Yes, I am. In the last game, he came up limping late in the game. And actually, uh, I think he had to, he either came out for a little tiny bit. I, I think Tyrod Taylor started throwing and he came up limping again. You know, he, he's a tough kid and he is showing that. And I did wonder about that because I watched a lot of that Oklahoma film and that uniform, like you said, looked pretty darn clean and he looked pretty far away from anybody that was 
even thinking about hitting him most of the time. So, yeah, I do think that that's a factor. And not only do, you know, you see that, like, the little uh, come up limping with an ankle here or there, but I, wor- I worry about just, you know, just even the, the jolting to the head. I, you know, that really, you know, makes me worry about these young guys. They don't necessarily come up with concussion syndromes but or symptoms, but I, I just think that getting knocked around that much just is not good for a young man at all. Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff, and if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU, or K-State. And no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. And it's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town. Just eight cents a day or two fifty a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at KansasCity.com slash sportspass. We'll go over to the guys that are doing the hitting there. Um, looking at, at this Browns defense, Miles Garrett was critical after the Steelers game, saying that they should have stayed with the with the initial defensive plan. They, you know, do the base calls, punch him in the mouth, was really critical of that afterward. Where is this defense now with him having expressed that and now the defensive coordinator taking over as head coach? Um, I'm sorry. Can you, um, can you just repeat that real quick? Yeah, sure thing. Yeah, with, with Miles Garrett um, being critical of the Steelers or of, of the defense after the Steelers game, you know, saying that they should have stayed with the initial plan, come out and punch the Steelers in the mouth. Is there, what? what's the sense that you get of this defense right now? Is there any more discord or are they at a good place going into this game? I think Greg Williams will get them into a very good place going into this game. I think that uh, Greg Williams probably read them a little bit of the riot act after that. He made it very clear when we asked him about that, that you don't make excuses, that you don't do things like that. And, uh, you know, and that you take responsibility for your performance. So I think they probably got a pretty good earful about that. I think that, uh, that the defensive guys have been forewarned that, you know, Greg Williams needs them to step up. You know, they have to put on the big boy pants now because their defensive coordinator just became the interim head coach of the football team. And, uh, and I just don't think he's going to put up with anything. No excuses, no, uh, yapping to the media, none of that. I think it's all going to be about football and and just going out there and being tough and trying to do something about this Kansas City offense. Well, like you mentioned earlier, the defense leads the the NFL in takeaways. What are they doing that's making them so good at at turning the ball over? Well, they've got, you know, like takeaway Thursdays in practice where they just really focus on that. If they go after the ball, I mean, they really, really go after the ball and they're relentless about it. They try to strip it out. They try to punch it out. They go up on, uh, on, passes and they try to grab it. They jump routes. I mean, they are doing everything they possibly can to get this turnaround. Last year, they finished minus 28 in the turnover differential, which was way, way, way worse than anybody else and a major reason why they were only 16. So they tried to get that turnaround this year and they really have. And, you know, unfortunately for the defense, and I'm sure it can be very demoralizing, is the fact that the offense has turned those 22 takeaways into only 
34 points, which is a major, major reason they're two, five and one right now. Oh, yeah, that, that has to be frustrating. And this team has a lot of really young players, a product of having so many uh, draft picks and high draft picks. Denzel Ward, one of those guys, number four pick in the 2018 draft. How is he developing so far this year? You know, he's done a really nice job, and this will be a big test for him this week, a very, very, very big test. Uh, but he's done a, a great job. His very first game out, he had two interceptions off Ben Roethlisberger, and he's had another one since then. And, of course, he'll be trying to get more off of uh, Patrick, which I know is not an easy thing to do at all. Um, but he's, he's done a nice job in coverage. He's tough. He'll, he'll stick his nose in there and to make the tackle. And he, he really has been a really good first-round pick for them. Well, with this game coming up on Sunday, what what do you think is going to happen if you have a score prediction or just a general how you think things are going to shake out? Well, you know, the Chiefs, as you know, have been playing very well on the road. Uh, Patrick is on fire. And I asked him on a conference call this week, do you have any little bit of revenge factor going because the Browns passed on you at number one? He said, no, not at all. He's happy where he's at. He thinks Miles is good. He's happy that the Browns have landed Baker Mayfield. There's none of that going on. Uh, because I will tell you, Ben Roethlisberger certainly used that to his advantage over these last 15 years. But um, I do think that they're just going to be too much for the Browns to handle on Sunday. I think that they will probably score about the same amount of points they have been scoring, and that would be in the in the mid-30s. And I think that the Browns will be lucky to get to 17 or 20 or something like that. So that would be about my pick. 36 to 20, 36, 17, somewhere around there. Uh, I just don't think the Browns have what it takes to keep pace with the Chiefs right now. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I think the score I had written down was 38-14, um, Chiefs coming out on top. And, and it's interesting, the whole the, the narrative of, of Patrick Mahomes looking for revenge because he wasn't taken number one overall by the Browns. And I think for him, going to the Chiefs was the best thing that could have happened, being able to sit behind Alex Smith for a year, work with Andy Reid. So... I think that if it was maybe a different team at number one that had passed on him, he might be a little bit more frustrated or he might, you know, want a little bit more revenge or if he hadn't ended up being drafted by the Chiefs. Um, but I think he's found himself in a pretty good situation. Um, Baker Mayfield may be wishing that he had been drafted into a different situation. Um, but, you yeah, know. We will see how that goes. <laughs> no kidding. But. Uh, I've really enjoyed talking with you. I've enjoyed being in Cleveland for a couple days. It's always fun to go see what it see how another organization runs things. Um, I have to say the media workroom at the Browns facility is incredible. Um, the the workspace, the the room is huge. The one of the Chiefs not quite as big. It's it's a more intimate setting. So uh, it's been fun to to get a look on the on to see how other things are run over there. Well, I hope you've enjoyed uh, some of the witty banter that goes on in the uh, <laughs> in the media room. Uh, we're, we're, we've all been together for quite a long time. We've been through a lot. We've been through many, many head coaches together, uh, tons of general managers, a lot of craziness, a lot of losing. Uh, but, you know, we, we have a lot of fun and we keep it light in there. Yeah, I can believe that. Well, I thought it was funny when I texted you earlier this week to set this up. Not two seconds after I uh, sent the text, I believe the, the news broke that he was being fired, and I thought, well, A, this was really bad timing, but B, at least you've been through this quite a bit, so you're you're used to this. Yes, I am a veteran uh, head coaching search person, so anybody that ever, you know, needs the book on how to do that, you know, just look me up, because this has been my, I, I have lost count, actually, but it's my biannual coaching search. 
<laughs> well, I, I hope that I don't have to cover as many coaching searches, but if I do, I hope that I'm able to do it as well as you have. Uh, Mary Kay, can you tell people where the, where they can follow your work and, and keep up with all the Browns craziness? Uh, well, Cleveland.com. You can find all of my work on Cleveland.com. We've got a little bit of everything like you guys do. And uh, you can look up our Orange and Brown Talk podcast in all the usual places. And then also I'm on Twitter at Mary Kay Cabot. Awesome. Well, and for folks who want to follow the Chief stuff and you're not quite sure where to find it, it's you can find us at KansasCity.com, on Twitter at B.E. Pryor. I'm there and we'll link to all that good stuff. Mary Kay, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll be back next week with a preview of the, uh, I'm going to blank on who they're playing next week, Um, a preview of the Cardinals. Good grief. It's been one of those weeks. (laughs) Thanks so much for coming on. (laughs) 